Well, we're on the phone with a man many people have credited with being the godfather of Christian rock, Mr. Larry Norman. Let me let me just roll through a real uh, a couple of quick ones here, just sort of one-word answers. Uh, maybe if you'd like to elaborate a little bit, but just just real quick questions, if you don't mind. Uh, whose death has impacted you the most? I think I've never gotten over Mark Heard passing away. He was really my best friend in and. Uh, the one who was most similar to me in Christian music and I just still miss him so much I I I don't know if I'll ever get over that when I was talking with Randy Stonehill a few months back he said that uh, Mark Hurd had this this painful weight of the world always upon his shoulders and uh, he was thankful when this is Randy speaking, uh, when, when he was able to give him some respite from that, when he was able to actually make him laugh. And Are you wired in that same sort of weight of the world on your shoulders kind of way? No, I don't feel the weight at all anymore. God loves me. Hmm. Where's the weight? How can there be any pressure upon me? God loves me. When I was in the hospital and they misdiagnosed me and then they told me I was going to die, I thought, well, you know, that's okay. So they so they messed up, and they do it all the time. It's just that I pull the the lucky ticket number, so I'm the next one that's going to die for no reason. But the cool thing is, God loves me, wow. so I don't care. <laughs> Nothing nothing's bigger than that. I would say that that just outweighs any any regret I could possibly imagine ever having. Hmm. Uh, what makes Larry Norman angry is well, I think medical misinformation makes me pretty angry because a lot of people are suffering because of of lack of nutrition uh information We're, when i go to the grocery store it makes me, it makes me sick walking up and down the aisle i just really want to get out i go there for bandages and and um you know i go there for uh dry goods you know i can get a newspaper or something i don't eat that food since being sick I have studied so much it just scares me how artificial this world we live in has become other countries have better health than we do because they have better food than we do they may have less of it but it's real food it's not genetically modified it's not it doesn't have pesticides on it the fruit that they eat has spots on it. It has bites where the bugs came up and bit it. The fruit in our grocery store, it's shined with some kind of wax. Everything just glows, you know, with a sheen. It, it, I, I just cannot believe that we eat the way we eat. And then I go up to with my newspaper to check out, and somebody in front of me has ho-hos and ding-dongs and hoo-hahs and, and uh, pen breakfast cereals and... I just wonder, you know, what are they doing to their kids? What are they doing to themselves? So I'd say that makes me really mad. And then politics. I don't like. I don't like being lied to. I don't like all of us being lied to. But I, I see politics as part of the movement of the machine that brings us closer to the ruin of the world. And if that means Christ has, comes back at that time because there is no other solution except his intervention, then, all right, I'll pray for my leaders, even if I think they're corrupt. Even if I think that they're bringing us to the brink, I'll pray for them. I don't know what I'm going to pray for them. I'll just pray that they'll do God's will. And if it turns out God's will is that that they, you know, shake hands with the Antichrist and he sets up his kingdom, well... You know, I don't, I don't understand the history of the Old Testament, so how can I understand the history of the future? Hmm. Very well said. I, I, uh, I'd say food and, and politics upset me. <laughs> well, they're both uh, shiny, waxy, deceptive stuff, aren't they? So. <laughs> but Larry Norman's worst personality trait is? Oh, I, I'd say it's being a super critical uh, and that comes right along with being super analytical 
I wish I didn't see stuff. I wish I didn't figure it out. I don't even want to. It just all kind of puts itself together in my head. And then I go, oh, no, that's what's going on. I mean, it ruins movies for me because I'll try to watch a movie and then I already know what's going to happen. And I know, okay, this person we met in the first five minutes, they're evil. And they're going to do it. I just really hate that. It's always the guy, the fireman, who shows us the picture of his kids. You know he's dead. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's an interesting uh, personality trait to be uh, critical about because I would... Uh, well, that's me. That's me. I was blessed with the spiritual gift of, uh, of uh, pessimism. It just means I don't have many friends. Yeah, and, and I would say that I, I struggle the most with that area of my life to turn it into a positive thing. I've just written an, a long article about the corruption in the music community, in the Christian community, uh, on the business level, nothing personal with anybody. And then also the failure, the moral failure of most music, most artists. And, and it took me weeks to write and rewrite it so that it really got to the heart of what the problem is without ever touching anyone who may have the problem. So I'd say that, God, you know, there's this verse in the Bible. It talks about that our strength is really our weakness. And I can see that so easily my, my whole life. But then it says, in Christ our weakness shall become our strength. And I can understand that now, especially after having the heart attack. Okay, so... I just need to work hard on taking these things that are socially negative and and asking God, how do I use them? Letting Him wash them of their sediment, letting them be uh, whole, letting them be, be um, of service to people. So uh, it's ama- I'm I'm amazed that I'm not. Uh, uh, unusable because I, I felt for so long that well I'm good at saying the wrong thing I'm good at making people mad at me you know I, and what I said isn't a lie it's just that I didn't know how to, Candy to put a buffer on it because everything was so raw in my Christian life my my belief system was so askew from the wrong teaching in the churches so I, I'm quite surprised now that, that there's a good way to have the bad problem I have. Who helps you lighten up in life? I mean, who's who's the funniest person you've ever met, Larry? Oh, gosh. I, I've been fortunate to know a few funny people. I mean, I've no, I've been friends with some professional funny people, like, like um, Dudley Moore. He could always make me laugh. Um... I think Mark Hurd was very funny. I don't think most people sitting in the room would have thought what he was saying was funny. But to me, it was hilarious because it was the truth. And there's nothing as funny as the truth. It's just so hard to get at the truth. It really takes intelligence to perceive the truth. So I laughed a lot when I was with him. And he and I laughed. It's interesting what you said about Randy because Mark and I laughed a lot, but it was always over very serious things, and it was over problems, and it was over irreconcilable situations that that we we just saw the folly of ourselves and mankind. And uh, I'm glad that he had this other side where where Randy could clown around with him, and then he would just you know bust out laughing. I'd say I'd say Mark was probably the, the funniest. Christian I knew hmm. and and Dudley uh, made me laugh before he ever considered anything spiritual in his life you know, the, you know he played piano for me on on uh, one of my songs on in another land huh. and then he wrote a, a some kind of mm, classical treatment to one of my songs I don't believe in miracles he I can't remember in what style he wrote it what he what he said it was um larry you've written so many incredible songs that have permeated cultures uh which which songs stand out to you as as one maybe you felt the most inspired to write oh well 
gosh, the ones that I felt most inspired to write are ones that I've never been able to complete. And I'm still inspired to complete them. But they're so complicated. One is a song about Mendel's peas, his experiments with uh, genetic factors. And And to me, the song is about why different children in the same family end up differently. And uh, I love that song, and I've still never finished it. Another song is a very complicated song about uh, Sherlock Holmes. Uh, It starts off, Sherlock went from Baker Street to Marylebone and Balcom to see who stole the money from the NCR. He finished up his... latest case, The Mystery of the Falcon, and went to take the baths at Lymington Spa. But only people in England would get the jokes uh, uh, that start the song. Like, they don't say spa, they say spa. And Lymington is, we would say, Leamington Spa. And we would say Mary Labone. And, you know, so... Part of what the song is about, the difference between what is visible and what is perceived. So that at the end of the song, he has followed all these clues and feels that he knows where this man is buried. And he goes to the site of the burial to solve the mystery. And someone says, he is not here, he is risen. Hmm. And that's the end of the song. So I'm still, um, you know, working on that one, wondering if I'll ever finish it. And and um, I, when you said most inspired, those songs still really hold uh, uh, a power. From I, I'll tell you another song that uh, this is this is how songs usually came out. Um, I wrote a song called "I Am a Servant." Now people would say, "Well, that's very inspired." You know, it was in hymnals. It's been recorded by many people. It's a very, it's kind of a, one of the first praise and worship songs. Uh, I wrote it in 1968. But what the song is about is a haircut and a suit and a tie. I wrote it because I went home to visit my parents for a few days, and my dad says, "You know what? If you'll cut your hair, I'll buy you a suit." And I didn't care about cutting my hair. Or not. I didn't care one way or the other. To me, it's just hair. I know that it's more than that for some people, because they say, don't sell out, man, don't cut your hair. Sell out? What, what's that got to do with hair? I, my hair is not part of my statement. I just don't get my hair cut, partly because my dad used to whack it off all the time. He was an amateur barber, and he liked cutting it every two weeks, and then people would go, well, who cut your hair, man? It looks amateur. <laughs> yeah, well, it was. You know, So that was embarrassing from the age of five to to uh, eighteen, but that's just part of the reason. Another reason is, and this is a bigger reason, soldiers cut their hair so they could kill people better. If your hair's in your eyes, you're liable to get killed. So the, uh, for instance, the Roman soldiers had short, short hair. The disciples had long hair. Jesus had long hair. Uh, some. People never cut their hair, ever, in their whole life. So I would really rather be like Jesus than a Roman soldier. In fact, I wonder if the soldiers weren't compensating for lack of hair by having those funny brush broom things sticking up on top of their helmets. <laughs> you know, the, the the mohawk look. Yeah. So um, I wrote the song because my dad, I, I said, sure. So I got my hair cut. He went out and bought me a suit I didn't want and wouldn't wear. <clears throat> Got me a white shirt and a tie, and he was all happy because I was, you know, made in his own image. And then he said, oh, let's go out and buy a pie. Well, I never ate pie. I did not like pie. So there's a picture of me holding a pie with a smile on my face, wearing my suit with my hair all chopped off. And then after lunch, he took me to the airport and said goodbye to me. So on on the way back home, I, I wrote the song on the plane. I am a servant. I am uh, listening for my name. I sit here waiting. I keep looking at this game that I've been playing. I've been staying much the same. When you are lonely, you're the only one to blame. 
just it was all about how I didn't have a relationship with my father but it came out of him so I, I can't say that uh, that songs that people think were inspired were inspired by anything they could imagine it's all inspired by off the wall random stuff I am a servant I am listening for my name I sit here waiting I've been looking at the game That I've been playing And I've been staying much the same When you are lonely You're the only one to blame I am a servant I am waiting for your call I cannot think So I sit here G.K. Chesterton said, God is concerned with everything, and God is in everything. And there is a Christian perspective on gardening and Zulus. Huh. And I think that's right. <laughs> For me, this whole world has a, a look to it through my Christian perspective. And it all comes out God in the end, but it doesn't go in as anything spiritual at all. Uh, when I was speaking to Randy about songs that irritated him, of course, Shut the Doe came to mind. He's, you know, the only time it doesn't irritate him is when the uh, residuals come in, you know. Yeah. Well, we wrote that song together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any any songs that just kind of grind in your nerves you wish you'd never put out? Oh, we started to write that song together. Actually, we didn't finish working on it. We we planned to. I, I, I would say that song would irritate me, uh, <laughs> but I didn't finish it, so... I don't have to be irritated because I, I never hear it. <laughs> <laughs> but I know what he means. <laughs> Any of your own stuff that grinds your nerves these days? Oh, gosh. I wish I hadn't asked me this because now I just realized, yeah, there's that song called Up in Canada. Oh, thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well. The reason it bothers me is because I wrote it just as a separate song. It wasn't part of the trilogy. It wasn't part of any concept. But MGM thought it was so cute that they stuck it on my album, So Long Ago the Garden, and they took off other stuff that they thought, well, this isn't commercial. We don't get it. So that's that's the reason that song irritates me. When I was up in Canada, I didn't have much money. 
You know my toes were cold and my clothes had holes My nose was kind of running I met along here on the street He said, look, you look like you'd like to eat I said, a glass of coke and a hot dog fine He said, well, how about the bread and a glass of wine I said, leave me on, leave me on, leave me on, leave me on Where you going? I said, my body's tired, but my heart's inside My hunger's growing Took a loaf of wonder bread, then he bowed his head. Then he filled my cup, drink it up, my friend. It tasted better than the health food bin. He looked straight into my eyes. I was quite surprised. He said, You're locked inside, but I can set you free. You will live forever if you follow me. I said, Leave me on, leave me on, leave me on, leave me on. Where are you going? Ooh, I said, My body's tired, but my heart's inspired. My hunger's growing. Ooh, leave me on, leave me on. That 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 was a catchy little tune, you know. Us Canadians, we uh, we dug that thing. So I guess every time. You know, I came up to Canada instead of flying to New York. MGM gave me money. I had a, a a show to do. I had 14 shows to do in New York, and uh, and 12 of them were at the bitter end. And I was supposed to fly there, so they gave me the money for the plane ticket, and I asked them, can I trade this in and get a a, a train ticket? I, w- I want to see Canada. I've never been. I, you know, I was 19 years old or 19 and a half. So they said, yeah, so I took a train all across Canada. I, w- I, I went up to, I wanted to take the longest train I could, so I went up somewhere above Washington State, got on the train and got off, I think it was three days later, in France. <laughs> in, uh, I was so freaked out. I didn't know people spoke French up in Canada. And yeah. I thought, well, you know, maybe they do all the, all, yeah, the whole place. I had never been to Canada. And then I was relieved to find out it was just this one, you know, province, I think you call them. You were relieved, man. But that was, that was an amazing trip. And I, I had so much fun witnessing the people on the train. There were so many kids. I was so bold in those days I could just walk up to anybody and start talking but uh, and I'm still bold but the, the difference is culture has changed now people are uh, you know they respond differently back then they would be curious it's like we were all hippies it's like the whole world was hippies I could witness to grown ups on the airplane uh, it, it, nobody ever shut me down so that was part of of the joy I had in that in that uh, trip, but the, the the other part was that I had my camera with me and about thirty rolls of film, and even though it was going by pretty fast, I used a uh, stop on my camera that allowed me to capture all these beautiful things I saw at the train window. I came away with so many incredible pictures of Canada, and that's why I wrote the song. I wrote the song about that trip. I wrote the song about the the guy that I'm talking to in the song. Asking, uh, you know, uh, I think he's French. You know, I... I, You met along here on the street? Yeah. Uh, But but in the song, I'm not Larry. I'm one of those people that lives in that city. And, And because they speak a different language than Jesus, they look at him as an outsider, and they think, because he's taken vows of poverty, I guess you would say these days, they think maybe he's... I can't even remember now. It, like I said, the song might be about a haircut. It's totally off the wall, but when it comes out of the guitar, when I'm finished with it, it makes sense to other people. And now you don't get up to Canada at all, do you, anymore? I don't go anywhere now, and I'd and I, I love to. I, I'm really hoping that I can get well. You know, I, yesterday I felt great, and I thought, okay, I'm going to be able to get on the plane real soon. And then today I felt so sick, I just thought... You know, what is it, Lord? Am I supposed to never do anything again? Or, and then it occurred to me, or am I going to be well when I need to be well? And other times I won't need to be well. And and this is one great way for me to keep just relying on the simple things and relying on you. Is this that I, I don't feel well enough to do anything else? 
You know, and so I, I, while we've been talking, I've been kind of say I don't think about myself or talk about myself. You know, um, it, I did an interview I don't know six months ago, and before that, two years ago. So I've been kind of savoring some of the things while we've been talking, just remembering that God always is there. He's never late. He usually comes at the last minute because that's all that he needs to do is be there when it's necessary and. When I say come or be there, I, I know he's always here, but do you know what I mean? Me. Yeah. I've been able to do things that I couldn't do, but I at that moment I needed to do them, and they were done, and I couldn't do them five minutes later. Yeah. I'm just I'm starting to remember that, and I've, I've kind of forgotten that this last three years. I remember you getting angry on stage a lot, you know, you're somebody... Somebody, a sound man would come on and you'd, uh, it was kind of like a sarcastic anger. You weren't, you probably weren't really angry, but you know, the sound guy would come on and you'd stop and you'd go, hey buddy, this is my concert, you know, get off the stage, what are you doing? Or they'd shine a red light on you and you'd say something like, uh, you know, isn't that satanic or something? And Oh, whatever happened, uh, you know, I would try to turn it into something passably amusing so that the audience didn't go what's going on there's a there's a mistake oh the sound just fed back oh i wonder is larry mad <laughs> i i i ne see because i worked in the secular world i never had a problem ever not once with secular technicians when i came into the christian community i'd already spent years in the secular community so that's all I knew was professional standards. Then I could not believe why Christians don't get their act together. The sound would be terrible. The guitar would barely be on, and my voice would be booming in the room. And I'd say, can you turn my guitar up? And then I'd go down to the microphone, and I'd say, it wouldn't be loud. I could show them. I could show the sound man. I could show the audience what I'm talking about. And... And I try because it was so continual for all those years. I just tried to make it sound like I'm just I'm just joking. But I wanted the sound man to have the opportunity to change the sound while I was talking because they don't dare do that when you're singing because then you can you can hear that something's changing in the room and the audience starts looking around. So I was just giving them an opportunity to to adjust the levels correctly. Classic Afterwards, Larry I'd Norman. often go up and talk to the sound man and go, well, you know, thank you for doing sound. Uh, you, thanks for volunteering several hours out, out of your evening. Um, how long did it take you to set it up? Oh, I've never set it up before. I've never actually worked sound before. So, so it took me a long time to figure out, like, where to stick the wires and stuff. But, you know, it's kind of interesting, kind of interesting. And then I'd say, well, and how, and how much are you getting paid tonight? Uh, well, I, I, I'm getting ten bucks. Uh, there's a there's a guy in town. He does it professionally. He's been doing it for years, but he charges fifty. And the church just wanted to, you know, not pay so much. So they they said if I do it for ten bucks, they let me do it. <laughs> and I just think that's the problem with modern Christianity. There's no great sacrifice involved. They're not willing to put themselves on the line. They don't want to go out in the streets and witness. Because it'll cost them something. They'll be embarrassed. First of all, if they're witnessing to a prostitute, somebody might see them. Then also, what if the person rejects them and doesn't want to hear their message? Then now hurt their feelings. And feeding the poor, well, uh, you know, we need our money. There's lots of stuff we need. You know, my car's starting to get old. I, I'd like to get a new car next year. So I can't feed the poor because I don't have enough money. If I was a zillionaire, yeah. So... I could see that that was a, like a, a elm disease, a blight that came upon the garden of God was cheapskateness and and stinginess and not being willing to sacrifice, not stepping out on faith. And I think that's what you all have to do. And I mean, I'm not. I don't even care about talking about the church. Uh, I, I just want this to be personal with anybody that's listening. You need to sacrifice. You need to do the hard thing. Do the thing that God wants you to do. One of those hard things is stop doing your favorite sin. I I don't know what it is. You know, maybe it's maybe it's marijuana. Maybe it's getting up in the middle of the night and 
having food that you don't need. Maybe it's chocolate cake, you know, ice cream at 2 o'clock. Maybe it's masturbation. Maybe it's the Internet porn. Maybe it's uh, going to church and pretending you're listening but really thinking about something else, um, planning your week. Uh, you know, stop being a hypocrite. Get your act together. Stop doing your favorite sin and sacrifice Sacrifice yourself. The Bible says we must die daily unto self and we must live unto God. So let's do it. Just do it. Classic Larry Norman here on the Drew Marshall Show. I have uh, thoroughly enjoyed this this great amount of time you've given me. I, I, I do want to ask you what's, ha- what's happening musically these days. Well, I'm doing another album. Um, every year we put out maybe three or four albums. Now that I'm not touring all the time, I have time to record. And we released some of the stuff that never came out in the 70s uh, because the record company that distributed it would go, I don't get it. This is not a Christian album. You know, in, um, my, I had Solid Rock Records and it was distributed all over the world by different distributors. <clears throat> and they said that, for instance, only visiting this planet was not a Christian album so they could not release it now it had I wish we'd all been ready on it and it had without love you're nothing and it had why don't you look into Jesus he's got the answer and it had I can't even remember all the songs it had on it Uh, but then it had one about war and so they said well that's not a that's not a Christian song that's about War, and I said, "Well, actually, it's not about war. It's about the indifference of the media. They report the death of thousands of people, and then the next story is something from the local community about a brownie sale." I said, "That's what the song's about. It's about people don't care. They're not in touch with what's important." Yeah, but it's but it's not about Jesus. I said, "Well, yes, it is." No, so they wouldn't release. It. So that's what I'm doing. Is I'm releasing. I'm not making. I'm not recording four brand new albums every year. I'm releasing stuff that the Christians did not want in the Bible bookstores way back then, and that adds up to a lot of albums. The album called "Something New Under the Sun." Personally, uh, probably one of my favorites. I've been uh, been known to to blow a blues harp here and there, and uh, <laughs> it fits uh, fits quite nicely with "Watch What You're Doing." I mean, that just kind of describes my life. Funny. Mama killed a chicken, she thought it was a duck. She put it on the table with her legs sticking up. Papa broke his glasses when he fell down drunk. Tried to drown the kitty cat, turned out to be a skunk. You gotta watch what you're doing. Didn't you know? Yeah, you gotta watch where you're going. Didn't you know? Little Joe Billy went fishing for trout Played hooky from school till the cops found out Didn't have a father, wasn't an only child His mama never beat him, so he grew up wild Gotta watch what you're doing Yeah I know a girl, sweet as could be But she fell for a man like a chainsaw tree She listened to his lies, full fast charm now she's sitting with a baby in her arms. You gotta watch what you're doing. Didn't you know? You gotta watch what you're doing. You gotta know that. You gotta watch out. Watch out! Things fine till things get bad Then you sit around thinking about the good times you had But it ain't no good to lead a life of sin If you don't shape up, you know you never get it You better watch what you're doing Don't you know You ought to know where you're going Do you know
there's a guy named Frank Black who's in a group called the Pixies, and he recorded uh, uh, the one you just mentioned, um, Watch What, what You're Doing, yeah. and he didn't release it, but at the end of Watch What You're Doing, I say the words, come on, Pilgrim, you know God loves you, and so he named his first album, Come On, Pilgrim, and then he recorded a song called 666 that I wrote on one of his last, his more recent albums. So I've I've been going to a couple of his shows once in a while and going backstage and hanging out with him in the dressing room and and I'm I'm surprised even though I know music is powerful I'm still surprised at how many people uh, are interested in your message because of the music when they don't really have any affinity for the message by itself they just didn't get it hmm. we were all so young is is a song that you worked on with randy stonehill you and randy good buddies uh, again uh, these days uh, yeah that was fun uh, i just got out of the hospital so my voice wasn't very strong it took about two hours to record three lines i just couldn't couldn't stay on key on you know i couldn't hit the notes and uh and that just like six months before Randy and I sang together in Chicago at this big festival called Cornerstone and uh, he was playing with his band and, and uh, it was it was great hanging out with him for hours uh, I've moved I, I don't live in California anymore so I don't see anybody you know I, I just don't fly down there for any reason I mean now I don't fly at all because of my health uh, but I'm trying to work my way up to it I'm I'm really trying to get physically healthy enough to to go on an airplane in fact that's kind of my project right now is just to to uh, try to get better it's really hard you know just make sure there's no overhead baggage compartments above you. <laughs> hey, when are you going to release a worship CD? That seems to be the trend these days. Oh, yeah, yeah. Worship CD. Well, I, I will never release the Praise and Worship CD. <laughs> uh, but I'll write about it, and I'll write about why I won't. And I, I think that's an industry that's well worth looking into because there's a lot of misperception about what it really is. And there's a lot of companies that that's all they do is they have a schedule of releases and they crank out praise and worship. They don't particularly care what's on the album as long as it has that right sound, that right vibe. And that's all they do. They hire people to be inspired and write songs. I don't know. I've never been able to make that deal with God. Like, okay, God, I'm getting an office. I'm getting going to rent a piano and you're going to inspire me and I'm going to make a lot of money. So that hasn't happened to me. <laughs> and I don't know really if it's happening to anybody else. I think that we'll know that there's praise and worship music when the secular world starts crying and falling down on their knees. Not when we raise our hands and look up and feel, you know, blissed out. Uh, one more little thing about it. I'm probably making a lot of enemies right now, but... No, not on my show. I've already, I've uh, already okay, well, taken care of Okay, well, why do people say... I will lift up my hands. I will worship thee. I will. Pr Why don't they just do it and stop talking about what they will do? <laughs> it's because people don't know how to worship. They can sing about it and they can talk about it and they can go to meetings where it's talked about, but they don't really know how to enter into worship. They think that you enter into it by saying things and making noises and singing songs and getting sentimental and maybe getting weepy-eyed and and doing things like raise your hands up you know uh, lay down on the floor uh, start laughing uh, okay you gotta go back you didn't forgot to, forgot to say mother may I you know Simon says <laughs> it's not activities God is not interested in the physical juxtaposition of our bodies when we're worshiping him so I don't think we've quite hit it yet if we're looking for worship that's fine let's just go through whatever we gotta go no matter no matter how many years it takes us to figure out how to do it, let's sing these songs and and do the hokey pokey. But uh, it's an industry, and, and no, I as much as I might enjoy worshiping God myself, I'm not going to do an album with that kind of music. And I might write a song about a haircut. 
called I am a servant or I will lift up my hair unto the shears. <laughs> so, so well, uh, on behalf of uh, of uh, all of us who have had it up to here with uh, worship music, try living in Australia where you're surrounded by the Hillsong Hop. It is just irritating, you know. You know who Wolfman Jack is? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. One day I see him out in my audience, so I go up and, and I sit down next to him and I go, "Hey, you know what's going on?" He says, "Yeah, right, right." And I said, "What are you doing here?" He says, "Well, I'm interested in in what you're doing. You know, I think." I think uh, this is my next direction. I'm going into Christian music. I said, really, are you a Christian? No, no, I'm not a Christian. <laughs> are you interested in becoming a Christian? No, not, no, I'm just interested in the music. I, this is the next big thing. This is the next direction. I want to get into this. Ah, uh-huh. so you're doing it for business? Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be very successful. Christian music is going to be a multi-million dollar industry. Well, he had it right. Yeah, he did. Had some prophetic uh, gifting there before he even realized it. (laughs) That's incredible. He's an unidentified flying object. You will see him in the air. He's an unidentified flying object, and you will drop your hands and stare. You will be afraid to tell your neighbors They might think that it's not true But when you open up the morning papers You will know they've seen it too He will come back like he promised With a price already paid He will gather up his followers And take them all away What's, what's God been teaching you lately? What are you passionate about these days? What are you really passionate about these days? Well, uh, my son is probably the thing I'm most, I'm most passionate about in my whole life. How old, how old is he now? He's 19. He's, he's in a Bible college. I thought he was going to go to a secular college, but, but uh, I'm really happy with what he's chosen. And and he just really loves God. He he wants to be a minister. And uh, but but I kind of wonder if he's really going to be a, an evangelist because he has been talking to people for so many years now, and and a lot of his school friends have become Christians. And he's got a, a gift of ministering to them, you know, counseling people. So I don't. I don't really know if that's something the pastor has uh, time to do when they have a full schedule or if that's really the requirements uh, for someone to be a pastor. It's hard being a pastor. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. Uh, I remember uh, a number of people when I was pastoring in Australia would say, um, Drew's never in his office. You know, they got really bothered that I wasn't in my office. And I was uh, yeah. I was up at the local pub with the footy guys having a brew and, and, uh, and just relationshipping. And, I, you know, I've even dropped the evangelism off the end of relationship evangelism because... I don't know. I, I I think in this we need to be culturally sensitive as Paul was, and and today in this North American culture, uh, people can sniff test the sales the sales routine a mile away, and and I think we're called to relationship. Now, of course, we need to, you know how will they know unless we tell them? Well, that'll come. That'll come. Well, you have to know who you're talking to, don't you? You can't you can't just unwind a spiel. You have to find out where they're at because there's not just one message. There's a lot of messages, and the, you know, if I if I say, uh, "Thou shalt not murder," to somebody who's never even thought of hitting somebody, well, then I'm kind of inappropriately communicating. Sure, you're just a noisy gong. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> Besides, is music that important to God? It's important to humans. Hmm. You know, it's one of our our biggest industries in the entertainment business. You know, people just are so bored. They want to escape reality all the time. And Christians, too. They want to just not spend time with God, but just play Christian music, and that'll do. That's, you know, they haven't got time to read the Bible for ten minutes, but they can listen to their CDs for two hours. When I came back from Australia... I honestly thought that we had learned something from the 80s with televangelism and Christian music, but we we have learned bupkis. I came back and I started flicking the channels, you know, the 400 billion channels we have here as opposed to the four we had in Australia. And and three channels back, I go, you know, that was a, I'll bet you that was a Jesus show. And you, and you flick it back, and sure enough, it, it was. It, you know, I don't know whether it's the straight guys they've got designing the sets or the same kind of nuances they've been using for the last 30 years and flannel boards and whatever else we just haven't learned a thing i mean ernest ainsley is still going strong and he is he still alive i know he looks he looked like a muppet seriously he looked dead like 30 years ago well now he's like an embalmed he put a, he put a phone in his wife's coffin just in case huh just in case yeah but he was so heartbroken that she died and he just wanted the option to be able to get her up. You know, if she came back to life, <laughs> uh, I think he was hoping that she'd get resurrected. Uh, it, it must have been a landline, because, I mean, that, first of all, a cell phone battery doesn't last that long, but also they didn't have them back then. <laughs> right, Gene, I, Gene Scott just died. Remember him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Benny Hinn has just taken a beating up here uh, in the secular press, and, and I'm, I'm in cahoots a little bit with uh, Ollie Anthony and the guys over at uh, the Trinity Foundation and the Wittenberg Door and all that. Yeah. What do they think of Benny Hinn, the Wittenberg Door? Oh, this they can almost turn uh, support the whole ministry based on taking the mickey out of out of Benny Hinn. He's a shocker. As a matter of fact, the secular press has used Ollie Anthony's material and interviewed him mm. uh, because it, he's just done such a thorough job investigating Benny Hinn. So, um, yeah, I remember Benny was speaking at some festival where I was, and he came into the room where I was sitting, uh, and he said, come with me, and he grabbed me physically hard and pulled me out on stage with him and plopped me down in the chair next to him, and then he sat there, and what he had done is he had arranged to have different musicians sit with him, so he wasn't up there alone, while the speech the introduction was going on and then he got up and spoke and we were supposed to sit there and listen to him because he forced us to go up and the audience was supposed to think that we were great disciples of his because you know we were so interested we we just couldn't wait to hear what he had to say i i snuck off stage after like 10 minutes i just thought what's this going to do make my reputation worse I, i'm not going to sit here you know, if anybody can leave, I can, and and nobody. They're just gonna go, oh, that Norman guy. You know, so I thought, well, there's some there's some advantage to having a bad reputation. <laughs> Have you had so many of your friends say, hey, go get, go to Benny, go to whoever, go to somebody, and get this, get him to lay hands on you, and you'd be here. Yeah, well, not him, but yeah, I had somebody call me up all the time. One of the one of the musicians would call me up and and tell me how. 
I could be healed and and but this was a musician I'd known for years and he you know every two or three years he changed into a different person he was like the closest thing to Jekyll and Hyde I've ever known <laughs> so I just thought well uh, you know I'm taking the encouragement that he's giving me because it's scripture but I don't know if he's applying it right and I don't care you know he's saying nice things to me he's saying I'm not going to die so I can listen to that all day long because I usually have to listen to the doctors telling me I'm doomed <laughs> but I'd, I really am not going to get on a plane and fly out to some wacko meeting and, and you know if God is a God that can create the whole universe he can help me right here I don't need to go chasing the blessing yeah. then I have some friends that live here in this town that are always dashing off to Florida and dashing off to Canada and they're, they're always running around seeking the blessing they call it and I think the Bible calls it running hither and thither <laughs> well it's hard to, it's hard to track down the Holy Spirit these days I know he was in Toronto for a good chunk but uh, now I, I guess he's he's gone to Britain I think now <laughs> it's, it's hey do you know who Dave Marquis is? I'm going to fake it and say yes, but no, I don't have a clue. Oh, okay. Well, he just had a heart operation. I, I didn't know if your, your listeners ever prayed. He was Clapton's bass player for years. Oh, okay. Uh, Stonehill talked to me about him. Yeah. I don't think Randy knows him, does he? No, I, but I think just some of the. it was just one of those connection through connection scenarios, you know. Well, anyway, so Dave uh, called me up and, and told me what was going on. I was really shocked. And uh, he had his operation. It was successful, but now he's just recovering. And so, so if, if Dave Marquis' name comes to mind, you can pray for him. I, I, I really think that's what kept me alive when the doctors were making so many mistakes with me. It's just the prayers. Well, I've had listeners email me about you. I had one guy in particular sent me an email and saying, we got to do something for this guy. And he had some some brutal picture of you skinny as a rake and all you can see is your square pacemaker thing sticking that was that was me yeah sticking sticking through your skin and i thought good night for those out there that that have never heard of larry norman uh how would you describe your ministry well i don't think most people see my ministry the the majority of what i have done is is really one to one on the street and um, that's when I do a concert I don't really know who's there so I can only avail myself to the Holy Spirit to try to move me in a certain direction which is why sometimes I just stop right in the middle of a song and start singing a different song because I'm definitely getting the feeling that no this is not it do this and you know it's a scary thing to for anybody to want to believe that God talks to you. I mean, we all know we can talk to God, but if God talks to us, doesn't that mean we're crazy? You know, the world would think so, a secular community. But I try to be moved by the Spirit in concert. But I'm not... I, I'm kind of giving people a survey of a lot of different ideas in a concert, hoping that some of them... Are, are what somebody needs to hear for inspiration. Like you said, you were in a bad way, and somehow the music uh, changed that. Uh, I, I've gotten letters from people, like one boy wrote and said, when I was in college, I was very depressed. I took LSD for the first time. My roommate gave it to me. Then he left the room, and I was sitting on the window ledge, and I was ready to jump. And I thought, well, man, I'm just going to smoke another joint. And I'll put on some music. And it, and and um, But one of my records was in the room, and that's really all he could find. So he put on, you know, sipping whiskey from a paper cup, and you drown your sorrow so you can't sit on it. He's like, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. So he's sitting in the window smoking the joint and 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 getting ready to, to jump. And then he started laughing. You know, the second verse has gone re on Valentine's Day. He started laughing, then he listened to the next song. And he, what he wrote to me was he listened to the whole album twice through and ended up crying and getting down on his face and becoming a Christian. He never was interested in it, never thought it would happen to him, really didn't want to live. 
So that's that's even something that I've never I never observed that kid going through that. You know, I didn't know that happened, but most of what I considered really my ministry was personally where I was looking at somebody and talking to them and uh, listening to them and then praying with them. And what I do on stage, that's what most people think is my ministry. And I try to to uh, bring ministry into it. I try really hard. That's really what I'm there for. I really want somebody to have a great experience with God and never be the same. Otherwise, I'm just entertaining people. And if I'm just entertaining people, why do it in the Christian community? Why not just go strictly secular and entertain people there? They need to get on the straight and narrow just as much as we Christians need to stay on it. You know, so... uh, (laughs) There was a time when I was never, ever going to sing in church because they already know who Jesus is. I'm wasting my time. I want to talk to people who hate God. But then I started realizing the church... There's a lot of people in church that aren't Christians, and they they need God. In fact, it may be harder for them to get to that place at the foot of the cross because they've been exposed to the idea of it their whole life, and they have disdain for it. They have disrespect for it. But that's why I decided I was being a little too exclusive and, and a bit of a snob only to play secular things, you know. Mm. I also began to see that I I opened up for Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin and the Birds and, gosh, the Grateful Dead. And, you know, those people are already high, so they're not going to hear things very clearly. And so that's what really pushed me to go even more into the streets where people might be sober you know in between work and home and you know I just want people to become Christians that, that's that's what I want so I can't really describe what I do I just say if if you want people to listen to the music and you play them a couple songs they'll just decide right then whether or not they like the color of my voice the temperature of my message and and you know if, if they don't really get it that's fine I think your 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 music has had a double-edged aspect to it because not only is it palatable to the secular ethos, the secular mind, but I think it's helped those of us who have always wanted to shed the false pretenses of North American Christianity. You know, you've been sort of a pied piper for that group of people who 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 have had enough discernment to see through the uh, the polished wax on the apples. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, from my point of view, I'm I'm very thankful for uh, for that aspect of you, Larry. Uh, we're we're going to let you go here, but obviously we um, we want to uh, have our listeners pray for you because apparently there's over a hundred thousand people that listen to this show. I always think it's just my dad that listens, but um, how can how can we pray for you? Yeah, well, thank you very much. Yeah, I've been having problems, and today's been a pretty bad day for me. So I'm I'm really glad that I felt good. You know, a couple hours before we started our interview, I thought, okay, I'm going to be able to do this, and and I'm going to be able to uh, not wheeze and choke and be out of breath, and you know. But I do, I do really want. You know, people sometimes say, well, do you need more money? You know, can you? I said, no, I need more life. (laughs) You know, it'd be fine to have more money and pay for medicines that I can't afford, but what I need is more life, and only God can give me more life. So that's why I think that it's really prayer that's gotten me through so much of this stuff. I want people to be able to, uh, to, 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 to give back to you, because there's a lot of people who listen to the show who have been fans of yours, or a fan of yours, for, for many, many years. And, and they want to know how they can help you. Well, um, LarryNorman.com is my website. They can go there and see what I've been doing and there's a lot of CDs that have never been in the stores and there's you know a DVD of the last concert we did and soon there'll be a few more DVDs of other things Um, so there's that you know if they buy something I'm going to spend that money on uh, supplements and, and hardcore medicines you know 
a lot of what what I've been learning is that, like I said, nutrition. So I'm I'm in the act of replacing a lot of damaged parts of my uh, ecosystem inside through nutritional supplements and and people have no idea you know they just think that oh yeah vitamins you know they 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 don't really do that much and i never felt anything when i was really healthy i never felt any difference between no nutritional supplements and a whole bunch of them but now that i'm sick there's a big difference and i wish i'd had been uh, using products like manatech uh, which is a glyconutrient system. Uh, for instance, our our grocery stores have about two sugars that are, and we need sugar. We we need some sugar, but there are eight sugars in nature. But the food industry industry has just whacked them six of them out of the picture through processing. Uh, it's it's just terrible what we eat and we don't know it and and yeah God's given us amazing bodies so that we can we can survive a lot of poisoning and and we're okay but we don't feel that well later on and we don't live as long as God would have preferred us to live so I'm I'm uh, yeah if you buy a CD I'm going to, I'm going down to the, the store and getting some more medicine that I need and that's a way to help me but uh, if you, I, I'd really rather you give the money to the poor. If you give that money to the poor, I mean, I, I don't want any, do, any donations. I'd rather you give it to, I'd rather you join Compassion or something like that. Give it to the poor. Because uh, I think God can keep me alive. But I've got a life in him these people that these kids that are dying in other countries they don't even know him yet so uh, I don't know it's a big question how can people help me pray pray buy a CD if you want I, I, don't, I don't care uh, I want you to feed the poor and I want you to, to tell people about Jesus that's what I want you to do I'm glad you mentioned compassion they uh, the Drew Marshall show and compassion are kind of in cahoots with each other and uh we have a link on our website that takes you directly to Compassion Canada. I feel quite strongly that that is a, an excellent ministry to, uh, to... Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's wonderful. Larry Norman, I, I am just... Uh, a couple things. I'm very appreciative for your ministry. You have meant a lot to me. I think your lyrics, quite possibly more than your music, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed your tunes, but your lyrics have permeated my being in a way that, that none other has. So I, I really, and again, every time that just comes out of my mouth, I sound like a postcard or a greeting card or something. But I, I just want to say thank you for for uh, laying your life down, serving serving the Lord with your gifts, because you really could have gone on to be, you know, the big secular success, but you you have remained a servant. So uh, on behalf of me and all of the listeners who have followed your career and your your ministry, your life for the last I don't know how many years, um, just want to say thanks. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, if it's I ever... been really fun just chatting with you. Yeah, it's been great, man. I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm blessed. Call again sometime if you want to do a little touch up. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, man. Bye, bye. Well, uh, folks, that has been uh, Mr. Larry Norman, and uh, stay tuned. We got lots more coming back your way.